I guess kind of the first question just kind of easiest one easiest one to ask is do you see a problem right now with how the MIAA football schedule works at this point? No, I don't see a problem of it. A lot of people have talked about, you know, opening the schedule up and and there are some positives, but there's also some negatives too. And it it's you know, the the thing that I'd want to see is a clear and direct path as to how this is going to benefit our league and and how it helps our league grow and move forward. You you've been in the league a long time with open and, you know, close scheduling. Mm -hmm. Do you see benefits to both or just kind of, again, depends on what the situation is or how the league is set up at that point? Well, see, when people try and go back and compare the league to what it was the last time it was open, um, there was a true pathway to a conference championship. Everybody played everybody, um, so you were able to define who the conference champion was every year. When you, when you don't play everybody, um, it adds some logistical you know, issues as far as that's concerned. The other piece is, you know, there's, there's benefits in the sense that, you know, kids want new experiences, different experiences, the opportunity to play, you know, teams that you don't play every year, and, and that's great. Um, you know, but you also have to figure out, you know, what is it going to cost each institution to be able to do that. Um, back in 04 and 05, when it was open scheduling at Northwest Missouri State, we were paying an exorbitant amount of money just to get Division II schools to come and play us. And go, going with that, just how it's been set up the last several years, and I know one of the counter arguments, the, the one true champion type of thing is, well, there's conference titles in two towns, and it's been co-champions. Mm -hmm. Does that kind of, I guess, that argument kind of stand up to you, kind of saying either way there's going to be maybe co or something like that? It does, but at the end of the day, I've always felt like from a playoff structure standpoint, so if you took this year, for example, you know, Central Missouri State and ourselves were the conference champions, but we played one another. So when it came time for seedings for the rankings, you were able to have a more clearly defined, okay, who, yes, we will split it if they have the same records at the end of the season, but, you know, this team is above this team. Um, let's just say, let's take a scenario where, you know, Central was playing, um, Central and us both went through the schedule undefeated and we didn't play one another. How do you define that? And so those are just some of the, the moving parts that, that people have to work their way through. And, the, and then they're kind of looking at it from, I guess, how hard it is to maybe find those non-con games. Mm -hmm. There's not, maybe not all the teams that want to come up here and play Northwest just because of how long the longevity of how good this program has been. That's also another factor, too, if non-con's the way it goes, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's more of a struggle for the better teams in the conference to find scheduling than it is, you know, the teams that are at the lower end of the, of the pendulum, so to speak. Um, but, you know, ultimately the other piece is, I think when you have a responsibility, you're part of a conference, you have to do what's best for the overall good. And so, you know, I just think that everybody needs to sit down and, and really kind of try and clearly define what that is and what that looks like and what's the best solution moving forward. And talking about the be what's best for the conference, from your perspective, is, is it kind of hard to maybe balance that between we want what's best for Northwest, but also keeping, I guess, the conference in mind too at the same time? It can be, but I, you know, again, I, I just think it's there's so many different scenarios because I've been in on a couple of these meetings there's so many s different scenarios getting thrown out there I think you know to to reiterate to have a clear and concise plan about what this wants to look like uh, you know what's the size of the league do you take the do you take the league back down to nine teams so you could open up two non-conference games is that a pathway that would be best for the MIAA so it's it's just really having all the parties come together and try and hammer out a, a solution that works for, for in the best interest of everyone. 
Yeah. I, I know some of this maybe was kind of started off with how the region kind of fell this year, and Lindenwood's mm-hmm. been kind of used as the scapegoat for a lot of this too. Just, is, do you even believe if it's opened up a non-con that a three-loss team can get in at this point, or just kind of up to the committee too? Honestly, it depends on the committee, the year, and how many other losses those other teams are taking within the region. I mean, when you break it down, there's there's four different conferences that are represented out of our region. Each of them has equal representation on the NCAA selection committee. Obviously, they're going to have ties and affinities to each of those conferences. And so that's going to be kind of their spin on it. Um, you know, un- again, unless you were to be able to take, um, like take the GLVC, which is where Lindenwood was, you know, unless we were going to create an alliance or an allegiance with them where you can directly compare, again, it just all becomes down to, you know, people arguing about who's better in a room. And then going back to, I guess, the scheduling part of it, at the luncheon, would have been last Tuesday, mm-hmm. you were asked kind of about how hard it would be to find maybe that FCS school or NAI. Are you more Division Two FCS, or NAIA, or just kind of? I would play, I'd be willing to play an FCS opponent, no doubt. Um, you know, I'd be willing to play, you know, obviously any D2 opponent. Uh, probably wouldn't align with an NAI opponent because I always, particularly if you're going to open it up, they're going to open it on the front end of the schedule. And I'd like to take a litmus test of, as far as how good we really are and, and where we need to trend. And, and here we've always been about it's not where you start the season, it's where you finish it. So um, I'd welcome either one of those. And then final question going off of that, before the close scheduling came in, I mean, there was top teams coming up here. I mean, Saginaw Valley, mm-hmm. a lot of Abilene. Do you feel like those games and even the MIAA kind of gets you guys ready as the season goes on because how tough the conference is but also – if it is open scheduling, you have the tough teams coming up here too. Well, again, and that kind of depends. So I'll, I'll give you something interesting on Saginaw. We had to pay Saginaw a guarantee to come here because it was a one-year deal. Um, the Abilene deal, again, that's the nice part about being here for an extended amount of time. That was actually a home-and-home. Home. They did that. But there's just very few Division II schools willing to do that. And it would just be, you know, what's up to the, you know, the individual institution. I mean, just because that's my philosophy doesn't mean that the other schools in the league are going to adhere to that. And so then that also brings in the question, how does that affect, you know, your strength of schedule at the end of the season, depending upon these non-con games that other people are playing?